Hello everybody, it is a lovely Wednesday evening, it's technically before midnight, so I am not getting this out late. I'm about to post this on Patreon, I've actually got this all right in front of me, all edited, and I just need to put some images together and throw it out there, but I just figured I'd get this audio recording done. I, this is a long one, um, around when you get to like 2,000 words, uh, Substack tends to yell at you and say that it's too long especially if you aren't compressing your images properly. So we're going to see how this works out, but I'm kind of enjoying, I'm enjoying where it took me. Like, I don't know. Issue 15. As promised, I'm back to, with the follow-up to my previous newsletter about constructing a mainstream fighting game. While the last time, uh, while last time I talked about how the genre usually clashes against what's popular, this time I wanted to create a hypothetical, one where a game could break through. This is mostly going to be a series of posts that or a series of points that, when combined, hit what I feel are the main ingredients to mainstream competitive video game success. Feel free to take them with a grain of salt, because hey, this is all spitballing. The in-game features. As I went over last week, a fighting game suffers when it doesn't have a way of encouraging non-enthusiasts to play. The problem with this experiment comes with fixing the issue. Do we want the game to be good, or just mainstream friendly? Ideally, a good fighting game has all the features that current ones do. It would have a good training mode with all the frame data, move lists, and quality of life features that comes with it, LAN and offline play, and some kind of mode that allows players to practice against the computer. Some of the issues with offline training involve the feeling of I am not able to effectively apply what I'm practicing or testing against an opponent in a low stakes environment. Um, with, oh wow, okay. Some of the issues with offline training involve the feelings of, I should say not that feelings, the feelings of uh okay some of the issues with offline training involve the feelings of i am not able to effectively apply what i'm practicing or testing against an opponent in a low stakes environment and i am not motivated to play because of the anxiety that's present in competition if players aren't playing they aren't learning and if they aren't hitting that queue up button the game is dying what I'd like to see is something that emulates the competitive 1v1 experience, but only if a player chooses to focus on that. The benefits of this would be the player would be able to gain the confidence when it counts while also providing somewhere to just have fun. League of Legends has its mutation modes, or its all-random, all-mid mode, that starts uh, that take away a lot of the pressure. In ARAM, you get one... Um, in ARAM, you get one character assigned to you at game start with the option for re-rolls. You're kind of forced to learn them as if, you, uh, if you've never played them before. Deaths aren't as punishing, cooldowns aren't as harsh, and there's less fundamental lull to worry about. You just get to do the fun stuff of fighting, itemizing, and learning. I know friends whose entire league experience is ARAM, and uh, if they're involved with the culture of the game and logging and participating, that's all that really matters. I need to do some formatting here where I bold ARAM. Them's Fighting Herds has a good mode called the Salt Mine, which where multiple players face off against CPU opponents with the aim of collecting resources and strengthening their character. Eventually, these characters would, uh, would face the other players in the lobby. Um, uh, hold on. The other player-controlled characters in the lobby. It's somewhat emulates the looting phase of a battle royales, which have the function of giving the player something fun to do, even if they're dying quickly. I believe these kind of things need to be more of a priority, and I don't just mean a story or an arcade mode. There needs to be more resources devoted to modes that ensure that we have an on uh, a healthy to ensure the ongoing health of the game. 
And that likely has a lot to do with the mentality of we have a yearly sequel or expansion to get out. Despite how weird it feels to think of Street Fighter V as a games of a, as a service game, that whole free supplemented by skins or microtransactions thing might be what needs to happen. I actually had like another paragraph here that I don't think made it. Oh, didn't make it. Okay. I'm going to pause here, rewrite it, and then I will um, get back in a second. Sorry. Hello, sorry I'm back. Um, turns out in, I was reading, I'd like pasted the story into the Patreon window twice and I was reading like the pre-edited version. I didn't realize that I'd done that. So thankfully what I had written otherwise is still there. Um, I just completely ruined the uh, rhythm of this. Awesome. Uh, okay, so being able to, despite being, uh, despite how weird it felt to think that Street Fighter V as a games as a service title that whole free supplemented by skins and microtransactions thing might just be what needs to happen. Being able to tweak a battle pass into multiple weeks of challenges, even if they're auto-generated, gives people a reason to play and play differently. The ability to customize characters to better reflect the investment you have in them is another. I didn't want to spend too much time on character customization because in my fantasy world we don't have to worry about monetization. However, I believe Dota 2 hits on something by making individual pieces of armor or skins that fit into slots like a um, leg or a chest or an arm slot instead of something that's like complete and all-encompassing. It takes a bit to be able to express yourself in a game like this and by being able to mix match, tweak, and retweak, it goes along, uh, sorry, and being able to mix match, tweak, and retweak goes a long way into making your character look different than the one you'll face online. We're, uh, we'll be going into this a little bit later, but it's important because the investment in your character mean investment means investment into the game itself. Basically, like, I'm going to spitball here for, like, another little bit. Um, I don't know. If, uh, monetizing this kind of game is difficult because you've got, like, you've got the typical... I, I felt the need to, like, go beyond the typical, like, hey, let's just, like, make a bunch of cosmetics in different slots. But at the same time, it's, like, those things serve a function. And being able to say, like, hey, like, this is... A reason to log on and this is a reason to take part in this new event because it might have an item that you want is like a good motivator for a lot of people and it sucks because you'd love to be able to say hey like that like playing the game is what's supposed to motivate you but mainstream wise i don't think that's uh, I, I got it went into that in last week anyways new heading online features i'll be blunt in most cases the online for fighting game sucks and i don't mean just the net code because there that's a problem that's been discussed at length and it's getting better Bluntly, even if League of Legends Online, uh, I need to put an apostrophe there, even if League of Legends is online isn't perfect, isn't a perfect latency-free environment for all players, it, if it's good enough, it doesn't break the gameplay. Fighting games don't doesn't have that luxury. I need to put don't, I guess fighting games, yeah, fighting games doesn't have that luxury. A success, I guess, I think it is don't. Fighting games don't have that luxury. A successful fighting game at a mainstream level needs to be able to work on a lot of different network environments on a lot of different levels of infrastructure. When I mean the online, I mean the e complete ecosystem of in-game and out-of-game features that players need to live in every single day. This goes beyond being able to match up or hang out in a lobby. It means to having a full suite of motivators, trackers, and feedback that lets people participate. That last word is important. Participation doesn't equal skill, nor does it mean everyone is going to be winning. You need to be able to furnish players who want to be good while not discouraging players who don't want to put in the work, and that can be a contentious thing. It is baked into the culture of fighting games to not only uh, to only accept the strong or those who desire to be strong. 
part of why my friend in part one of this project said that this is impossible in terms of like making like a, a game like this is that it would require a major shift in the culture to be mainstream palatable. Every time you hear me like type a little bit, that's to me, that's adding like a little bit of punctuation or something. Regardless, so I basically just made this a bulleted list. We need the ability to play training mode with other people. Doing so allows us to join in friends who would be able to teach us in a low stakes environment. No more doing 1v1 lobbies where we're, we forget to turn off the timer and then you gotta, you gotta like, you know, someone has to win it to be able to go back to character select. We need the ability to make training more of a social activity, period. Beyond mission modes and associated achievements unlocks, we need to, we need ways to provide incentives to practice. Give me a battle pass that tells me I need to land five different 10 hit combos with three different characters. This gets me to play characters I haven't touched before and maybe learn their strengths for when I face them. Again, we need the ability to make training collaborative. Aim Lab has done a really good job of making training for shooters interesting by being able to construct, record, and share training routines completely tailored to each uh, game someone might want to play like Counter-Strike Global Offensive, Apex Legends, etc. Being able to share combo tutorials or even explainers as to why or how you might use a combo or technique would go a long way of taking it out of YouTube's hands or God forbid Discord's terrible search indexing to give people good training and learning material. In AimLab, the ability to get consistent feedback of you need to work on how controlled you are when moving your mouse right is better than someone dropping money on coaching and just to be told play more. Give me a breakdown of when I'm taking counter hits or failing to block mix-ups. Give me a ratio of when I'm on the offensive. Give me a sentence that says over your last 20 losses, you've lost the majority of your health in the last 15% of the match. I need the ability to, on my own, know where I need to put in my effort. In some cases, it can be embarrassing or discouraging to get that kind of help directly from a human. So this kind of thing is like, you know, makes it easier for people to just like know where they're shit and where to get better. We need the ability to watch other matches or tournaments and feel motivated to do so. Giving us match gambling, uh, give us match gambling with in-game currency. Give us some kind of grading feedback, cheering on live matches system. Give us a gamified way to expose ourselves to different situations and get us to think about the game that we're playing. This also has the added benefit of juicing the esports scene and getting people familiar with pro players. If they're consistently winning currency betting on someone, they're more likely to become a fan. We need the ability to group with other players through a club or guild system. We needed this to matter as well. Dota 2 has group and solo goals tied to this system with bonus currency for those who participate. Uh, this also has the added benefits of getting people to run locals within their guilds or maybe have some kind of skill-based matchmaking that matches guilds against each other where you can develop storylines and get better together. We need a set of goals that help, us motiv or that help motivate us to play. Again, taking it away from the training mode with do X a number of times, you need the ability to get players out of a comfort zone or away from goals that only hinge on success. The reason Apex Legends has challenges that are do X amount of damage with pistols is so that someone has the ability has something to work towards that doesn't hinge on them winning the game. Being able to say do X amount of damage after a counter hit or do X amount of damage after a guard break or successfully block a string of six hits 10 times at least gives people a reason to think about their playstyle. When would they do something like that? Do they not do it right now? Is there something to be gained from playing in that way? Next heading is the marketing budget. It's hard to just magically make, it, make a mar marketing budget appear, but the ability to have people know about the game and think it's worth their time is pretty essential for having an initial its initial growth spurt. A problem with fighting games is that the, after the initial this is cool and new, the remaining population of the game gets the reputation of being too good for new players. 
the ability to make newbies feel included regardless of whether they're starting uh, is important. And we'll go on to that more with the culture heading that I have coming up. At the moment, there's a traditional influencers model of throwing game keys. I need to add game keys instead of just keys at creators and hoping they provide the hype. But I get the feeling that there needs to be more emphasis on something self-sustaining. Having a world that people want to make things for, like fan works like art, cosplay, tools, fiction, etc., means that people have a hard time ignoring the product. I thought, I honestly thought that Grand Blue Fantasy Versus uh, would be able to make this work, considering Psy Games is Grand Blue Fantasy Juggernaut and the resulting crossover. But it kind of died on the vine in the West due to not having good online, a good online outside of Japan. This section is somewhat where I feel my argument loses steam because. What's considered a, a successful fighting game launch relies on relatively short-term support, again, enough to last until a sequel, and not as a full-featured games as a service. Riot Games' competitive League of Legends offerings have always been expensive marketing, but it's contributed more to a com complete ecosystem. You play the game to learn it, and then you apply that knowledge when you're watching it for fun, because that's what your friends are doing too. You're watching the streams of another player and you're also following artists and cosplayers on Instagram because they're making stuff surrounding your favorite character. You're potentially going to meetups and live events and local lands because that's where other people who share your passion are. And that's all fueled from somewhere. I'm not necessarily saying just throw a whole bunch of money at people to run events all over the globe, but it's about having faith enough in the longevity of your game and not just saying, well, the launch is over, we've made our sales, we're done. The perception of your game being dead or alive, well, I gotta add like a no pun intended there. No pun intended, because Dead or Alive is a fighting game series, um, is important to be able to bring in new players, and that's something fighting games hasn't quite conquered yet. The brand and the culture. How do you just say, make it cool? And you can tell the frustration that I'm like, in, that's in my voice when I'm talking about this. It's such a hard descriptor to just or descriptor to just create because it comes down to not only what you make but how people react to it if cool people react well to your product it becomes cool by proxy and well that's out of your control to become cool means to act means that the act of playing your game becomes something that people gain from without you having to convince them being able to derive your their own social capital from your product without anything more from you means they're going to be essentially doing free marketing keeping the player base alive uh sorry they're essentially going to be doing free marketing through cosplay fan works etc keeping the game alive through the player base and encouraging continued development through revenue generation so how do you position your game to become cool characters need to be well designed in order to suit a number of tastes this isn't to fall back on the make women hot or nerds won't buy it bullshit but modern character design is usually based off of crafting characters to that distill down moods qualities personalities or aesthetics this is why you have so many properties in gaming or not that feature factions houses um like gryffindor harry potter houses or anything that people can use to sort themselves into accordingly Having a third of your roster be Team Blue or from hometown means that characters, have, uh, players, excuse me, have reasons to pay attention to and interact with them. The Edgelords can love all the characters from Blade Town, and all the Moe Blobs can cosplay as the characters from Twinkle Spark Forest. There's something there for everyone, and the crossovers are tolerated because you get enough of your thing. This also fits with the cosmetic mechanics. Dota 2 is just as valid as a dress-up game because the fact you have a favorite character in the first place is a good thing. 
Characters also need to be easy to create art for and cosplay. This is why you see League of Legends abandoning non-human uh, designs. Cosplay is free marketing. Marketing means a player base, and player base means life. Next point is the music stage UI and UX all have to step up. I'm going to be writing a, th a third article about fighting games, not part of this duology, about why I find Capcom Street Fighter 3 Third Strike so stylish and downright cool. The vibe of that game is just otherworldly, and there's an added need to make that all tie into the usability of the game itself. A strong A aesthetic, like the sum of all its design parts, needs to come from someone with a strong vision. And it needs to decide early on if it's going to emulate something already mainstream, for instance, music, or hinge on elevating underground styles in a way that makes the user feel special or in the know for partaking. Third Strike's drum and bass and hip-hop soundtrack might have been a bit underground, but it stands the test of time just by being unique and taking risks. I guess the oxymoron is... Sorry, I'm just editing as I'm talking. I guess the oxymoron is that if you want something that is unique enough for someone to feel smart for enjoying it, but approachable enough for people to avoid... Oh, Jesus. But approachable enough to avoid... To avoid alienating a wider audience. Sorry. I guess the oxymoron is you want something that is unique enough for someone to feel smart for enjoying, but approachable enough... Uh, let's say feel hip, uh, feel, I don't want to say ahead, feel unique for enjoying. Okay. I guess the oxymoron is, is you want something that, okay, we can't say unique twice. Uh, you want something that is, I don't want to say cool because cool is like too much of a word. We've, we've used too cool a billion times in this, this section. Uh, different. I guess the oxymoron is that you want something different enough for a uh, different enough for someone to feel unique for enjoying. That's such an awkward sentence. Uh, I guess the oxymoron is you want something that that's that's both unique. Uh, Okay, there we go, there we go, there we go. You just, in real time, uh, heard me narrating my, what my brain goes through every time I write about these things. I guess the oxymoron is is uh, that you want something that's both unique enough to feel exclusive but not alienating to a wider audience. Those two things feel incompatible, but again, look at Riot and League of Legends. They've always been able to weave in K-pop to a successful degree by hedging their bets that it won't annoy all of their fan base. I think back to the Tony Hawk series of skateboarding games and their soundtracks. Skateboarding, I need to add that. And their soundtracks, mostly just because people still talk about how that was the reason, how they got, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me start that from the top. I think back to the Tony Hawk series of skateboarding games and their soundtracks, mostly because people still talk about how that was the reason they got into punk, ska, or hip hop. Unfortunately, again, this comes down to trying to placate a mainstream audience while still making something good. To me, good means having soul. And that's not something the mainstream always has. Uh, yeah. Next point. The culture has to reward people for the right reasons and the community needs to decide, needs to decide what those reasons are. This is a tough one because that definition fluctuates and for fighting games, it has always been about winning. 
I've experienced people getting shit on because they're getting attention and therefore rewarded in ways that don't involve being good at the game. And for something to thrive long term, that would need to change. <clears throat> I believe this is perhaps the most difficult change to grasp because it involves letting go of the resentment of not being the coolest that has been festering for some time in that community. I need to add like another couple sentences here, but generally it's like that feeling of like, oh, that person is getting rewarded while I've been toiling here forever, or <clears throat> I'm better at the game than this person and I'm not getting money or attention. That's something that like either needs to be like fostered or let go, or sorry, like not fostered. That's something need, that needs to be, like, understood and, like, deflected rather than, like, completely, I don't know. It's something that needs to be understood better because ultimately you want those kind of people still around in order to, like, nah, I don't know. I guess you don't want those people around. You don't want those people around from a social perspective, but from a vote of confidence towards your game of this is worth playing and this is worth, like, something that, you know, spending time on those fanatics are going to be what like drive a lot of your competitive drive in your community or other things. Anyways, sorry, that was a little bit of a tangent. At the end of the day, that last point is what Project L is going to succeed or fail on. It's either going to win the approval of the tastemakers of the fighting uh, of fighting games through a ton of tournaments and potential profits, giving them the security they've never had, or it's going to vastly outstrip those vet fighting game veterans and say, it doesn't matter if you think we're good enough, we have so many people that you can't influence our success. I'm going to, like, throw a bold on that. You can't influence our success. I need to, like, that entire paragraph is one large sentence, so I've got to, like, split it up. That kind of power is what influences the change of culture. Being able to say it doesn't matter if we're at Evo or Convo Breaker or CEO because RiotCon 2025 is going to have the Project Dell Championships and the winner is going to take home a million dollars. That means that anyone good at fighting games isn't going to pass up the opportunity. And that lends a whole bunch of, the whole thing, credibility by proxy. Wrap up and housekeeping. Maybe this needs a third part. Maybe this is too big of a subject to tackle, and that's why it's so impossible. Maybe it's just a matter of taste colliding and things being a bit too difficult to untangle. I'm not sure, but I wanted to give it a shot. It took me a while to get fighting games from a spectator's perspective, and in trying to play them myself, I learned a lot about how I process failure and how I want to learn. I believe that they're a great conduit for a certain type of gameplay and interaction, and their niche has damaged the scope of what they need to be in order to break over, uh, break away from something bigger. It's funny because even if I painted a picture of a hard-to-please uh, fighting game fan, they often don't get things made for them. The further problem with this is that for all their nitpicking, they're usually right about what the important parts of a design are. Seeing, the game, uh, seeing a game that qualifies as bad means non-functional online, terribly unhealthy cosmetic strategies, I'm looking at you, dead or alive, or just sludge. So not only do we need to get above sludge to passable by enthusiast standards, you also need to vault over that to get to approachable by a non-enthusiast. It's so tough, yet I can see the potential if certain things just caught up. Anyways, going to leave you with that. Feel free to comment about what I might have missed or if I'm weighing something heavier than you'd like in terms of like what it needs to have i'm still streaming weekly on saturdays on twitch give me a follow because it helps at twitch tv slash matt demers if you want to push a notification about when i go live you can join my discord at discord.onemoremat.com i don't do notifications for anything besides new work and there's no channels to get lost in besides that announcements channel we will see you in 14 days i will be writing about something a little bit different by then but i don't know as as like a final word to the people that listen to this it's like i feel like i kind of maybe took on too big of a project with this it's like i feel like even at like 2500 words i feel like i haven't even like maybe i should add that 
you know, add that at the end saying that like I've spent like 2,500 words on this, but I still feel like I haven't even scratched the surface and I haven't even like tackled like everything that needs to be tackled. But I don't know, maybe it's something that I'll revisit one day, but I'm pretty proud of where it is right now. This is probably a long audio episode as well, so I'll leave you with that. But thank you as usual, patrons and Substack subscribers. If you guys want to do me a favor, please share this stuff. I've kind of... I've never been really too good about like trying to find a new audience for this or trying to like expand my audience, but I feel like I need to start and it's really hard to just like ask. So I'm going to try to get better with that and just kind of be like, Hey, you know, if you see my tweets or if you, the, the, the number one thing, maybe, I, maybe that's another topic is like, what is, what is like the order of operations in terms of like most valuable for like an indie creator. And usually that I want to say it's a tweet that just says, Hey, I really like this. Go check it out because that's like the personal stamp of approval and it seems really natural. Um, so I don't know, I'm just spitballing there anyway, but if you feel like doing something like that, I would really, really appreciate it. I will talk to you guys later. Like I said, um, two weeks, we'll be back with another one. I will be streaming on Saturday. Have a good one.